Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your spirit and your word. And we pray this afternoon, we pray that, Lord, as we hear your word, that we would receive it with faith. We would receive the implanted seed and we would allow it to go deep into our hearts. And that you would change us and make us more like your son. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If you were going to give what I'm going to share with you, this message, a title this afternoon, the title that uh, I would give it is Have Faith in God. Have Faith in God. And I'd like you to turn with me in your Bibles, please, to Mark chapter 11. And just while you're turning there, do you know, it's, it's always wonderful, isn't it, when during the worship time, the worship songs that are chosen fit in directly with the word that the Lord has given you for that afternoon. And I don't know if you've noticed, but a lot of what we've been singing about this afternoon is to be to do with God and having faith in God. And God being the God who is able to do the impossible. God is able to do what humanly is not possible. And this afternoon, God is going to release faith into your heart for the impossible things that God is calling you to do. Amen? Because the call of God is always impossible for man. What God calls us to do in ourselves is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. It's amazing. And it it links directly with what Phil was sharing about the fact that we are jars of clay, but it's the treasure in us. It's the treasure in us that's important. It's the treasure in us that's of value. And it's the treasure in us that is powerful. Powerful. It's precious and it's powerful. It's potent. It's potent. The word of God is potent. Let's read out of Mark 11. You know, Jesus had been, um, he, was, he, he was basically heading towards Jerusalem. He knew that, this was the, that his, uh, his day of destiny on that cross was coming. And he was staying in Bethany. He was uh, staying at uh, Mary and Martha and uh, the house of Mary, Martha and Lazarus. And uh, one day he was uh, heading into Jerusalem. And on his way, he he was hungry. The word, the the Bible says he was hungry and he wanted something to eat. And in the distance, he saw a fig tree and he saw leaves there. And as he approached the fig tree, actually there was no fruit on the tree. And in the hearing of his disciples, the 12 were with him, he said to the tree, he cursed it. And he said, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. They go to Jerusalem. They go back to Bethany. And the following morning, they are heading back to Jerusalem the same way 
And in verse 20, it says this, Mark 11. Now, in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from its roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Do you know, actually, a better way of translating that from the Greek is this. Have the faith of God. Have the faith of God. We as believers are to have God's faith in us. We have a certain amount of natural faith, human faith. All of you have faith right now as you sit on that chair. You believe that that chair is going to support your weight. Your weight. It's natural faith. But the faith that Jesus wants us to have is God's faith. The faith that God gives us. Have faith in God. Have the faith of God. God's faith. An even better way of translating it is this. Have faith in the faithfulness of God. Have faith in the faithfulness of God. You know, God is a faithful God. Amen? He will never, ever break any of his promises. Do you know, I think that deserved an amen. He will never, ever break any of his promises. He, he, he can't break. He can't break. God cannot not keep his word. Let me say that again. God cannot not keep his word. It's impossible. That's impossible for God to break his word. His word is 100% trustworthy. Amen. Amen, amen. Jesus goes on in verse 23. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, we sang about the mountains this afternoon. Whoever says to this mountain, a mountain, in rabbinic speak, in Hebrew understanding, is anything that's an obstacle to pressing forward in what God has called you to do. An obstacle in your life. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says will be done, he will have Whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, we are talking about prayer on Tuesday. I want to encourage you to be at the prayer meetings. The prayer meetings are the engine of the church. They are the lifeblood of the church. 
You know, if you want to go out and share the gospel with people, if you want to move in the power of the Holy Spirit, if you want to pray for the sick and see them recover in, the, in Jesus' name, you need to be in prayer because God moves in answer to his prayer. And he wants to use his people to do it. He has chosen his church to be the vehicle. His church is the answer for the world. His body, his people. That, by the way, is you and me. He wants you to be used in his purposes to represent him here in Cambridge. In all of Cambridge and, in fact, the whole of Cambridgeshire and in parts of the UK and to the ends of the earth. And in fact, you know, as I've been praying for you as a church and praying before I came here, I believe that the Lord gave me a scripture and a word for you. And I'll submit this to the leaders. But I believe uh, and I haven't talked to Jonathan about this, and I know that he shared a little bit of, of his, uh, what he heard the Holy Spirit saying to him. But I believe this is the time. This is out of Isaiah 54, verse 2. Enlarge the place of your tent, and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords, and strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left. And your descendants will inherit the nations and to make the desolate cities inhabited. Do you know, I believe that God is calling many people in this church to be part of the expansion of his kingdom in this city and to the ends of the earth. And I believe that the Lord is going to give you a property in the north from here, in the city, north from here. As part of the confirmation of this word, there is going to be the provision of an expanded place. Watch and see, for the Lord is good. Watch and see, for the Lord is good. Amen. Amen. Praise his name. So God loves to answer our prayers. But we've got to believe that when we pray, God not only hears our prayers, but he's going to answer them. And he answers those prayers that are according to his will and that we pray in faith. So when we know what his will is, by the way, we'll find his will in here. When we know his will, we believe it. We pray it. We have the faith of God for it. He answers those prayers. And that's how he works. That's how he works through our prayer. So I want to encourage you, be at the prayer meetings. If you're going to be at any meetings this week, be at the prayer meetings, number one. And everything else after that. Amen. Amen. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. That your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. You know, unforgiveness can be the biggest block to receiving from God. It's important that we have a clean account, a clear account with God, with nothing blocking the way. Later, if any of you are holding anything against anyone, there will be an opportunity for you to, to ask God to forgive you for that. 
and then to be free to move on into his purposes. You know, some people, some people think that, that Christians, um, that some people think that faith is a really foolish thing because they think that faith is knowing something to not be true, but to believe it anyway. A lot of atheists think that Christians believe things, know things not to be true, but believe it anyway. That is not faith. That is not faith. Faith is not that at all. Faith does always involve the invisible, and it always involves the impossible. Let me say that again. Faith always involves the invisible. And it always involves the impossible. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 11. Turn with me there. This is the great chapter of faith. And verse 1 says this. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. There it is. The invisible. I love what the Amplified translation says. It says, now faith is the assurance, the title deed, the confirmation of things hoped for. Divinely guaranteed. The t- title deed is, is to do with houses, to do with property. And um, that there is the, um, the key to the front door of my house uh, in Exeter. And if I was to give you that key and say, here we are. Here is my key to my front door. You can have my house. Then that would be the title deed to the house, to, to, to be able to possess and go into the house. Wouldn't it? By the way, this is, this is just for an illustration. <laughs> I'm not really going to do it this afternoon. But it's the, it's the same with faith. When we hear God speak to us, the words that he says are the title deed to what he promises. Have we actually seen that promise come into reality yet? No. But we have the title deed. We have the promise. If you receive the title deeds through in the post when you're buying a property... You know that you're almost into the house. You're not in there yet, but you have the title deeds. And that is what faith is. It's a spiritual substance. And it guarantees the possession that God has promised to you. Whether that is a a house or a car. Whether it's to do with a ministry. Whether it's to do with receiving healing. Whatever it's to do with. Whatever God has spoken to you about, when he speaks, the faith that comes with it 
is the title deed to receiving it and, and, uh, uh, and having it, having possession of it. Verse 2. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. Actually, let me just go back to houses. Let me tell you about um, let me tell you about the title. Let me tell you about this house. This house is the key. This door here, uh, this key is the, the door to number 31 Black Boy Road. And uh, when we moved back from West Sussex, where we'd been for about 10 years, back to Devon. Uh, we were in need, at the time, uh, our, our four children were living with us. And so we needed a large property. But there was a shortfall between the amount of money that we had available and could raise with a mortgage. There was a shortfall between that and the amount that we needed to be able to buy a property big enough for us to live in. But before we left... We were praying together with some guys in the, the team that, that, uh, to, that uh, we were partnering with to go out on the streets uh, and witness to Jesus and lead people to Christ. And two of the guys had pictures. God spoke to them and they shared those pictures with us. One of them was of a house with a red door. It was in a tree-lined street. And the other one had a word, and the word was the word Elgon. Now, that word Elgon didn't mean anything to this guy. It didn't mean anything to me. Uh, but I knew what a, a, a front door that was painted red looked like, and I knew what a tree-lined street looked like. And so when we moved back down to Exeter, God called us to go move back down to the southwest. To begin with, we were living in rented property. And I've got to say, we lived in a rented property for something like uh, 18 months. There was quite a long time to, to not be in a property that was really big enough for us. The places were okay, but we were a little bit cramped. But we knew that God had promised us a house. We knew that it was going to have a red door. We knew that it was going to be in a tree-lined street. And it was going to be linked somehow with this word Elgon. It was probably early January, and my youngest son, who was about eight at the time, as we sat down, gave thanks for our food, suddenly said, tomorrow we're going to buy a house. And I don't know if that's ever happened to you, <laughs> whether your children have ever come out with anything like that, but I was absolutely sad. But do you know what? As he said it, faith arose in my heart. And then my eldest, my elder daughter said, oh, that reminds me. I've got a friend at college and her parents want to sell their house to you, mom and dad. And they want you to get in contact with them. Here's their number. Long story short. My wife drove past their house and about two or three days before we were going to meet this couple that were going to sell the house to us. And she came back and she said, Justin, this, this is crazy. Number one, the house is huge. We're never going to be able to afford it. Number two, the door is painted white. 
You can see where I go with this, can't you? The day before, she drove past the house again. This time, the front door was painted red. It was in a tree-lined street. The word Elgon is the name of a mountain on the border between Uganda and Kenya. And recently, in partnering with Jonathan, we've been out near to that area. But as we met and we we talked with this couple, there was a shortfall of well over £100,000 in terms of what we could afford and what the house was worth. But by the provision of God and by the word of the Lord, we were able to be the owners of that house. Isn't God good? (laughs) Glory to God. In the natural, it was impossible for us to be the owners and to live in that house. In the natural. Impossible. But nothing is impossible with God. You might be facing a challenge financially in your life at the moment. God might have promised you something and you're thinking, how on earth am I going to be able to afford that? God has sent me here today to tell you that if he has spoken to you, and you've received that word of the Lord with faith in your heart, then nothing is impossible with God. In fact, Jesus says, Jesus says this. He says, all things are possible for him who believes. All things. Nothing is impossible with God. I love verse 3 of Hebrews 11. It says, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. That means that the things that are made are made from the invisible. What the Bible tells us is that everything physical came from the invisible. And do you know what? Within the last few decades particularly the last 30 to 40 years, it's science is coming to understand that this is true. You've all heard, no doubt, of Albert Einstein and his theory of general relativity. And you've all heard, no doubt, about the Big Bang. Hands up if you've heard the phrase, Big Bang, the Big Bang. Most people. So listen. At the beginning, cosmologists, that's scientists who study the physics of the universe, will tell you that at before the point 
that everything started from, there was nothing. Absolutely nothing. It's not like there was a, an empty space with nothing in it. There wasn't even a space. And the, at the beginning, time, space, and matter were all created. They all came into being at the same time. Now, actually, that is really important because we know, both in the natural, just as regular human beings, and the scientists know that everything that has a beginning has a cause. Everything. You had a beginning and you had a cause. It was your mum and dad. Everything has a cause that has a beginning. The universe had a beginning. Therefore, the universe had a cause. The cause of the universe has to be timeless. Because time began at the beginning. There wasn't time before that. Space began then. So what created it must have been spaceless. Matter was created then. So what created it must have been immaterial. Now hang on a minute. Let's just think about this. Who, who does this sound a bit like? Spaceless. Well, that's like spirit, isn't it? Timeless. What's another word for timeless? Eternal. Immaterial, of no matter. And the cause of the universe must have been uncaused, without a beginning or an end. Can you see that the word of God is the truth, and that science is only just catching up with the truth of his word. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. It was when God spoke that though everything came into being, and it's true today, when God speaks, what he says comes to pass. Amen? And when we speak out of our mouths what God is speaking out of his mouth, then those things come to pass as well. Because this is the truth. God's word out of our mouths is as powerful as God's word out of his mouth. Amen. Faith is always to do with the invisible and the impossible, the invisible, and the impossible. Praise the Lord. You know, faith is based upon the covenant promises of God. Psalm 138, verse 2, says this, For you have magnified your word 
above all your name. You've magnified your word above all your name. Isn't that amazing? That God holds and gives higher value to his word even than his name. Why would that be? Well, if you think about it, if you can't trust somebody's word, how can you trust their name? If you hear the name of someone whose word is untrustworthy, do you want to have anything to do with them? Would you put your trust in them? Of course not. And so the word of God is of highest value, even above his name. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. But of course, his word confirms his character. His word confirms his nature. Sometimes there is a, sometimes there's a, 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 a delay in time between God speaking and promising and what he says coming to pass. There are many instances in the word of God of this. And of course, one of the most famous is the promise that God gave to Abraham. He was 75 years old when he received the promise that he would be the father of many nations. And over a period of, it took 25 years. So Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born to him. And during that time, Abraham continued to believe the word that was spoken. There are some people here who God has spoken to and he's promised you things. And you've been holding on to that word for a long time. And I want to encourage you to keep believing and holding on to his word, despite what the circumstances might say. Despite what it looks like in the natural. God will always keep his word. He's magnified it above even his name. And he will keep his promises to you. It's interesting, isn't it? That it says, in, the, in, in fact, it says, let's just look at, uh, at Romans a minute. Romans 4. It's interesting that in Romans 4, verse 20, speaking about Abraham, it says, He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. But was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, that's what God had promised, he was able to perform. Isn't that interesting? That the word of God in Romans says that. And yet, when you look at Abraham's life, he did waver. When Sarah suggested... That he have a child with her servant. He did that. And yet the promise was that it would be through him and Sarah. Now isn't that interesting? So something must have happened between the promise being given. His life 
And then the word of God here in Romans. And what is that? I'll tell you what's happened. Abraham has repented of his unbelief. Abraham has repented of his unbelief. And he's come to the place of being fully convinced. He's come to the place of not wavering at the promise of God. Sometimes when we face the impossible, when we have a mountain in front of us, our faith can feel like wavering. Certainly our feelings feel like wavering. Hands up if you've ever felt your feelings wavering at what God has asked you to do. Has anybody been like, yeah, I've come to the right place. (laughs) My hand's up as well. It feels like we're wavering. And we go through, we're tempted to come to a place of unbelief. You know, God wants, the enemy, sorry, wants to rob us of our faith. Our faith is the, the word of God says that our faith is the most precious thing. More precious than gold. Our faith. And the enemy will want to try and rob that from us. He would. But our job is to stand on his word and believe. To turn from unbelief. To confess his word and to agree with his word. And that is powerful. It's powerful when, I, when we agree with what God says about a situation. It releases his, the, his activity into our circumstances to bring about what he has promised. Amen? Amen. Amen. Wonderful. We all have faith, and uh, I know that you have faith because you've seen me looking at my watch, and you obviously believe that soon it's going to be time for me to be finishing. That's great faith. <laughs> no, I've just got a couple more points now. Have faith in God. Faith is a substance. Faith is based on his covenant promises. You know, when, when God made his covenant with Abraham, It was a covenant sealed in blood. God spoke to Abraham, told him which animals to sacrifice, and his very presence, he came himself and passed through that burnt sacrifice, the blood that was shed. God's agreements and covenants, his promises, are all sealed in blood. The most powerful agreement... In the, in the entire universe, they're sealed in blood. And of course, that speaks of the new covenant, the new agreement, the new testament, where God's very own son would shed his blood as the Purchase price as the sacrifice, as the payment for our sin. Taking our punishment, dying in our place. God's promises are covenantly sealed in his blood. 
bound, he binds himself to his promises to always keep them. Amen. One more passage I want us to look at before we, before we close is in Mark 10. I want to talk about faith for healing. Mark 10, let's start at verse 46. Now they came to Jericho. And as they went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat at the road, by the road, begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, let me say that again. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Who is the word of God? Jesus. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David. That means he recognized Jesus as being the Messiah. The son of David is one of the titles of the Messiah of God. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Mercy. I started this afternoon by saying that God really loves you. The mercy of God is God's favor to you and to me, even though we don't deserve it. In mercy, we receive from God. We, we don't get what we do deserve. Do we deserve healing? No. But God loves us. And that love, the mercy that flows from his love, is what heals us. Son of David, have mercy on me. If you're here this afternoon and you are sick, God has mercy on you. If you've heard this name, Jesus, and you know that this man, Jesus, heals, I'm here today, this afternoon, to tell you that he wants you well. He wants you healed. One of God's covenant names is the Lord who heals you. The Lord who heals you. It's part of his nature, part of who he is. He is the healer. And he has mercy on you this afternoon. He wants to take your sickness from you this afternoon. Amen? Amen. Then many warned him to be quiet. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. 
Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer. Rise. He's calling you. And throwing aside his garment. By the way, the garment was like the legal right he had to be a beggar. Because of his, because of his condition. He had authority to, to beg for money. But notice what he does. He throws the garment off. He lets go of the condition. He releases himself. And, believe, and steps forward believing that that is in the past. That his blindness is part of his past. But that healing is part of his present and his future. And that it is going to come. He is acting on his faith. He has heard the word of God. He has heard the name of Jesus. He has heard this man Jesus is the healer. And he has responded with faith. Leaving behind his cloak. He gets up. Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? I want to ask you that question this afternoon. What do you want Jesus to do for you this afternoon? What do you want Jesus to heal you of this afternoon? He's here to heal you. He's here to answer your, not your request. He's after you to come with faith to demand that's just the overflow. That's the overflow. That's the mercy of God reaching out. He wants you to make a demand of faith upon him. From his mercy, he will reach out and heal you. But he, he's looking for you to have faith. Do you know, when we were in Dublin recently, a lady had heard about... The meetings that were taking place in a church, in a great church, like, just great like this. Great church, church full of faith. Seeing many saved and, saved and healed. And, and she came along and, and she, uh, she, ha she had hearing aids in both ears. Almost entirely deaf in both ears. But she came because she'd heard what Jesus was doing. And she came believing that she would be healed if she came. And during, during the, the, I was sharing a testimony of what, of God healing a lady in Rwanda who was deaf. Totally restored her healing. Perfect hearing. As I was sharing the testimony of what God had done in Rwanda just a couple of months before, she heard a little noise in one of her hearing aids and realized that the battery had run out. And so she took the hearing aid out. And as she switched it off, she suddenly realized that she could hear in that ear. Well, I think that deserves an amen. She was deaf in that ear. She'd taken the hearing aid out and she could hear in that ear. God had restored her. God had answered her faith. She had made a demand on it. She'd come expecting and believing. And God had healed her. And so at the end, she made a beeline. I didn't know anything about that, but at the end, she made a beeline. She came straight to me, and she told me what had happened. She said, now I want you to lay your hands on this here, and I know that I will be healed. And God answered her prayer. Or total restoration of healing.
praise God. Isn't God good? By the way, if you have, if you have a difficulty in hearing, with hearing, we'd love to pray with you this afternoon. God wants to heal you. Restore your hearing. He wants you well. The blind man said to him, Rabboni, teacher, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, this is really interesting. Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Jesus didn't even lay hands on this man. The man didn't even touch his garment. Jesus saw his faith and responded with his word that it had taken place because of his faith. Even now, even right now, right now as you hear this, God could heal you where you are in response to your faith in him. We find this, we find this over and over again that even during the worship time, or during the preaching of the word, that God breaks out healing and people receive their healing just at the word of God. The word says that at your word, he sent his word and healed them. Amen. Amen and amen. So finally, final point. Have faith in Jesus. Have faith in Jesus. John chapter 1 verse 12 says this. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those that believed in his name. The name Jesus means savior. Savior. Healer. Deliverer. And I want to say to you this afternoon, if you've come this afternoon and you've not yet received Jesus into your heart as your Savior, then very shortly we're going to pray together. And I want you to pray this prayer with me to receive this wonderful Jesus into your heart. You will become what the Bible says, you will become born again. You will become born of the Spirit, God's Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will come into your heart. It's it's the greatest miracle of all. And it's possible for this to happen because of the cross. Because of the cross. Because of Jesus' death and resurrection, we can receive his resurrection life. You know, the Bible says that really we deserve to die because of the things that we've done wrong. The Bible says the wages of our sin is death. But the gift of God... The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. God wants to give you the gift of eternal life. He wants you to live forever. 
And he wants you to have his life. A life full of love, of, of love and joy and peace. It's not just the length of time, it's the quality. God's very life to come into your heart. But of course, to do that, you have to receive him. And to receive him, you have to admit and agree with the Bible that actually you're in need of him. That you are a sinner. That you are separated from him. That you have messed up. And that you need him to save you. You need a savior. That requires humility. You have to humble yourself. You have to say, sorry, God. I'm sorry that I messed up. But I thank you for what you've done for me. And yes, I want to receive this new life. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.